Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 12.35 at Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Oilers Now, Bob Stoffer with you, where guests receive gift certificates to Roost Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night of the town, every meal's an occasion with Roost Chris Steakhouse. Tell Brendan, Taylor, and Chris that Oilers now sent you. Edmonton Oilers against the Philadelphia Flyers tomorrow. Oilers 5-0 and in the season. Flyers 2-1-1. One one. Uh, Carter Hart, October 16th against Edmonton, gave up four goals against on 14 shots, 34 minutes and 32 seconds. He had a very good year that year in 1920. Had a tough season last year. Uh, 877 save percentage, but uh, fully expect him to bounce back. 914 and 917 the year before. Hart and Sam Steele played on the Sherwood Park Bantam AAA team in the lockout year in 12-13 against Stuart Skinner and Tyler Benson of the Southside Athletic Club. I saw those teams play a couple times because, frankly, we didn't have any hockey to broadcast on the Oilers' front. And uh, you could already see that Hart and Skinner had a chance to be pretty good goaltenders down the road. Uh, Momentarily, we are uh, hoping to hook up with Dale McPhee. He's the police chief for the city of Edmonton and a 1985 Memorial Cup champion on one of the greatest teams ever in junior hockey, one of the toughest teams, certainly the Prince Albert Raiders. I asked, uh, we had Cody Cece on the show, and I asked the listeners uh, their thoughts on Cody Cece so far and Duncan Keith. And Tim says, Bob, I watched uh, Cece in both Toronto and Ottawa. Did not like the guy at all. I did not see him at Pittsburgh last year, but heard and read really good things. When he signed here, I was skeptical. I must admit I've been pleasantly surprised and very happy so far. In addition, I had no concerns with the key signing, and now the pair to my eyes are working fine. I expect they'll get even better as the season goes on. Haji says, Bob, I, for one, and it seemed like the minority, thought a second pairing of CeCe and Keith was exactly the type of experienced duo the Oilers needed to balance out the promising D. That being said, I've been pleasantly surprised by how effective they've been given Playfair's tendency to rely on them so heavily for D-zone starts. Like you intimated, the duo's ability to recover from a mistake with momentum-shifting play has been on display early and seems to be a calming effect throughout 
uh, the team. That's uh, from Haji. So there's some thoughts on our first guest, which was Cody Cece. We are pleased on, to be joined on the line. Bob Stoffer here at Rogers Place by a, uh, a member. He'd probably be, admit that he was a support player on one of the greatest junior teams in uh, WHL history. They won the 1985 Memorial Cup. He is now the police chief for the city of Edmonton, Dale McPhee. Dale, it's Bob Stoffer. How are you doing? Good, Bob. How are you? Good, good. Uh, yeah, well, I just wanted to do something a, a little bit different uh, on, on a on a non-game day and, and talk a bit about your journey and how you got involved in policing, but also specifically talk about your time as a player, where you grew up playing, and how you ended up with the Prince Albert Raiders. So let's start there. Welcome to the show, and, and sort of, you know, who were some of the key guys that helped you along your journey to get to the Western Hockey League? Yeah, thanks, Bob. And, uh, well, I mean, I, I grew up in Manitoba, and at age 14, we moved to St. Albert, which I played my minor hockey in St. Albert, obviously going on to play Major AAA there. And it was uh, Wayne Simpson uh, um, uh, who was scouting for the Prince Albert Raiders. That would be the coach's brother, Terry Simpson. And, uh, you know, I was listed earlier by Spokane, and uh, then the Raiders uh, came into play, and uh, it was a list, and uh, I, I was playing at that time just a few games uh, with the St. Albert Saints and uh, ended up taking a bus to Prince Albert and uh, yeah that's uh, how it came to be for me and uh, certainly uh, uh, you know was a was a was a very good junior journey for sure. I, uh, I, I'm i a 66 born you're a 65 and uh, St. Albert had uh, Manny Viveros, uh, Todd Carnelli, uh, the late Todd Ewan, they used to just destroy us when I played for the Strathcona Warriors. Like, they used to beat us 8 or 9 to every game. And uh, those guys all turned out to be pretty good junior players, including Viveros, who was a star in your team in Prince Albert. Yeah, those were all my midget teams. So that was uh, the midget Raiders. Uh, we were all teammates back in midget. Um, uh, yeah, and then Viv obviously uh, was with me in Prince Albert. And there was other uh, Prince Albert products there as well, Dave Pazine. And, or sorry, Edmonton products, Dave Pazine and Dan Hodge and Neil David. We had quite a contingent of uh, Edmonton players. Uh, it seemed to be uh, one of the focuses of, uh, obviously, the scouting was this particular area. And it, uh, yeah, we all uh, made the trek to Prince Albert. Dave Gertz was another guy that we got via trade through Sherwood Park. So, yeah, we had we had quite an Alberta contingent for sure. Uh, that team is legendary in WHL circles. Uh, is it truly actually stolen nets from the opposition players in the pregame warm? <laughs> well, pucks for sure. <laughs> it was uh, it was it was quite a, a different game back then for sure. It was. Uh, you know, uh, uh, certainly, uh, I don't know if I'd call it intimidation, but I guess at some point you're still uh, certainly uh, uh, making people think. And uh, we used to have uh, a few of those things. And, uh, yeah, we had uh, well, Baumgartner and Matson, And uh, we had, uh, the year we won the Cup, we were, you know, a, a pretty balanced team. Um, uh, play the game whatever way the opposition determined. Hopefully we could determine the, the way the game was played. And uh, for the most case, that particular year we had a lot of success in doing it we're joined by edmonton city police chief dale mcphee bob stoffer with you know other sound dale you had you had a 47 goal 106 point season uh as a 20 year old the year you guys won uh or yeah that was uh, the next year actually in 85 86 did you have any aspirations uh to pursue uh, a pro career at that stage yeah, no, absolutely, and uh, I broke my collarbone in the playoffs of my final year. I was actually in some contract uh, t- 
talks with a particular team, and I, I ended up going to, to Minnesota as a free agent. I actually got on at the police service because uh, I had that broken collarbone, uh, passed the physical there, and then I actually had time off to go to Minnesota camp and uh, had a pretty successful camp. Uh, got offered a contract back then. It was one of those things, a three-way deal, which you, you knew you were probably going to end up in the International League. And I uh, made a tough decision at that point in time that uh, to go back uh, into policing. And, uh, you know, and then I actually got a, an invitation to camp the year after being in policing for a year uh, from Quebec. So I didn't go to that one. But, uh, yeah, absolutely. I think it's every uh, young player's dream and aspiration to play in NHL. I, I did have uh, potentially an opportunity. But, again, as, as I said, it was one of those things where uh, it used to be three-way contracts. You had the International Hockey League, you had the American Hockey League, and, of course, the National Hockey League. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a different back then for sure. You know, Dale, we focus so much on the, you know, the legendary toughness. And Dave Manson's the Oilers farm team coach. He's done an unbelievable job developing the Oilers' young defensemen. Uh, everybody knows about Bomber. And we've, we have Louis DeBrusque on the show, and they had some legendary battles back in the day. One guy that, you know, I... Dean Colstead, I played against growing up. Viveros, I played against growing up. Uh, Godas, I would have. Uh, Godas, I would have played against growing up. But the one guy that caught my mind that was on that team that today might have had a chance to play in the NHL, but was just a, a sort of he was an anachronism. You know, he was just sort of the wrong guy at the wrong time. Was Ken Morrison? He was a highly skilled, uh, gifted offensive player for you guys that later starred for the Saskatchewan Huskies. He had a lot of talent. He's my brother-in-law, actually. We we both married. Uh, <laughs> I did not know that. I did yeah. not know that. <laughs> so I actually just saw him this weekend. We were back at, uh, at the lake for uh, for a couple of days. But uh, yeah, Ken went on, got traded in the 20-year-old, and went on to have a great uh, year uh, playing with Brownie and a few other guys out in Kamloops. And uh, they, he tore it up there. But he was my line mate uh, the year we won the Memorial Cup. Him and got us. So uh, yeah, and now he's my brother-in-law. So yeah, Kenny was a a talented player with a great shot and uh, certainly uh, not only did we uh, were line mates but we lived together throughout our junior careers so that is funny small world all right so i did the golden bears for 13 years this is year 14 now doing the oilers and there's several former alberta golden bear hockey players and football players that end up becoming uh you know working in the uh, police service as well as uh, as firefighters and i'm just wondering if you know you talked a, a bit about your journey as a player but the importance of um you know i guess having a sense and appreciation for team when you're yeah. in a role like policing yeah, I know absolutely, and I mean it's it's very similar in that aspect, you know, and uh, uh, you know it's team first, and certainly uh, you know, the sum of the parts is uh, greater than individual parts, and having the ability to uh, play in a team or work in a team environment, but it's also the sacrifice and the commitment that comes to playing a team environment, and you know, obviously junior hockey is an example of that, but the same stands uh, with our women as well. You know, we've hired uh, a lot of uh, basketball players that come out of the U of A and certainly a lot of uh, volleyball players. And I think just that ability to, to operate with success in a team environment, the ability to, you know, commit to the task on hand. And certainly uh, it's kind of one of those things where you're, you're you're always trying to become better and you're pushing each other to be better. But, it, it, you know, to be effective as a police officer, you absolutely have to be able to work within a team environment, which is, the you know, the, the athleticism and, and the team sports uh, certainly contribute to that. Uh, there are a couple 
service members actually that live on my street, including uh, one, one of your deputy chiefs and a former teammate of mine with the Southside Athletic Club. Uh, but so I have the occasional conversation and I have an appreciation because I think that there's a perception uh, about how maybe policing has changed a bit. And I, I, I bumped into one of them today and, and, and you know, said, what's what's one of the challenges? And he said, the human condition right now. And there's just, it's, it's our police, you know, Leroy Cholley was my next door neighbor in the 1980s when he was police chief, okay? And Leroy was a little old school. And so is, is it, in terms of just the hands-on approach and the importance of how today's police service members deal with people, is it, is it a complete completely different world or was it always a little bit like that but now maybe greater sensitivity and awareness than ever before well i think there's a greater sensitivity and awareness but i, I think the same holds true uh in, in the sporting environment too right it's uh you know if you think you're bigger than the game the game takes you out and you think of how sports and coaching sports has changed uh, over the years and what was acceptable many years ago isn't acceptable anymore i think policing has become more of a profession and certainly more professional i think our young folks are uh, certainly coming into the door with their eyes wide open. They have lots of uh, different options available to them. I, they, I would say that they're a lot more educated, have uh, spent a lot more time in, in, that, in recruiting practices, hiring practices went up. But I think what you've seen right now in the last uh, couple of years is, is, is a period that's unprecedented, right, uh, for policing. You've had COVID-19, which is enough, and we're still not through it. You've had a downturn in the economy, which puts extra pressure on the police, and then you have the events of Minneapolis. So, you know, I think at any time, it's like anything else. Uh, the things were pointed at us for a long time. I think it's forced us to be a, a better. Uh, we've made some pivots and some transitions like any good team would. And I think, you know, just being involved in the community, that part has never changed. Uh, I think the interactions with the community and some of the things that you've uh, seen change in the criminal element certainly have, and it's more sophisticated. And obviously, we have to work differently and smarter and I think we've adjusted that quite well but you know pressures uh, that have come on in here in the last couple of years in any human service environment look at the hospitals and the health care workers and what the teachers are putting up with I think all of that has changed and, and, and we're no exception to that but you know with change comes good things I think we've pivoted and made some good changes in relation to how we deal with that environment but absolutely it would be more challenging especially in the last couple of years and you know credit to the folks that work for EPS it's uh, coming in from the outside and, and working with them that's still the, the, the best thing about the job is that to come work with the people that exist here it doesn't mean we don't have some of our problems but uh, we do have the ability to cope with pretty much anything that comes our way and our folks have uh, maintained their professionalism during those trying times or these trying times for sure I've told the story before I was going to talk to Leroy uh, about policing in 1987 on the very day that we had Black Friday here at Edmonton and he told me some stories afterwards, and I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to go a little bit different direction. Uh, but you spoke about education. How dramatically has that changed as a uh, prerequisite uh, for, you know, people to get into policing? If we've got, you know, uh, somebody out there that's, um, you know, late teens, early 20s that's thinking about a career direction, uh, how important is it to go to school? Are there specific programs or institutions um that uh, might assist in that process for getting somebody on the police force down the road. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think that's like anything when you're obviously up in your profession. Certainly, we, we're seeing a lot of people come in the doors now with obviously uh, graduate degrees, some uh, with their masters, even some with their doctorates. But we're also seeing the balance where some are bringing real life experience in where they maybe were in a trade, you know, a plumber, electrician, or, or similar things where they've uh, worked in that. And I think the, the beauty of uh, policing is we reflect the community. So it's important that we're getting pieces of this from everywhere because I think it's that diversity uh, that makes us better. And, and not, not just diversity in profession, but, you know, certainly not just gender, not but it's also thinking, right? It, and I think when we look at it now from a recurring perspective, we're looking at trying to reflect our community to add all these different things. And that educational component is one. And I think it just forces us to be more creative, more innovative. And, you know, when we're actually leading change, it allows us to change and pivot a lot quicker than perhaps we might have been in the past. Uh, so I think it's a real benefit. And, you know, for, for people coming in, there's now lots of policing programs. You know, Regina has a graduate degree. Uh, Lethbridge has had a long-standing profession. McEwen has pivoted on that. There's lots of those um, post-secondary institutions out there um, that certainly uh, focus on policing and community safety. But then there's a lot of degrees that we're hiring, too. Like, I think it's important we're hiring teachers we're hiring social workers you know uh, you know with the lawyers we've got uh, several lawyers uh, that have come through here too so the diversity in what you hire and it, I don't think you just want to focus on any one stream because as a police officer and a, you know working on the streets you're, you're wearing many hats some days and uh, I think that diversity allows us to deal with things more effectively well uh, it's just like uh, bouncers back in the day right the best ones were the coolers the best right the <laughs> Best ones can, can get everybody to settle down. Uh, we're joined by Police Chief Dale McPhee. A couple of quick hitters just on the hockey stuff, circling back. Remember the 1985 Memorial Cup champion, Prince Albert Raiders. Who was the best player you played against in junior hockey? Oh, geez, against or with? Well, you can give us with. I mean, yeah, with, I mean, for talent, uh, for Bill to envision of the ice was probably Don Hodgson. I mean, he was putting up 200 some points a year on the offensive side. Uh, you know, played a, uh, with a lot of great defensemen, too. You mentioned, you know, Madsen, you, Baumgartner, Gertz. There was lots of good guys. Um, on the talent side, you know, uh, against us, there was lots of people that were tough to play against, uh, you know, and, and lots of people around this area, like Rob Brown came out of St. Albert. He had a great junior career. Baruby, I played fastball with him. He was uh, a tough customer to play against. Kachowski, I mean, I remember a lot of these guys because, as you mentioned, you played midget against them, and then you actually showed up and played against them in junior. You know, it made for some competitive battles, but uh, there was a lot of talent back there, and certainly I was pretty fortunate to stay involved with the Raiders as a president and, and a director for years, so we had the likes to seeing Madano float through uh, playing in, the, in a Raider uniform. So I, I, I don't know if I could put it on one uh, person because there was a ton of them. And uh, that's the beauty of junior hockey. You see the showcase of a lot of the future stars in the NHL. And I certainly got to play against many, and I certainly uh, was involved in the organization to watch many of them come through. Uh, you know, I still remember the days of Phillips was the first overall pick in PA. And, yeah, we've had, I'm pretty fortunate that way to see a lot of people come through and now you're in a city right now where you've got two of the three best players in the world absolutely well in leon i was with the raiders when uh, uh i was a president
president when uh, Bruno Campes, here, general manager, went out and recruited him in Germany. So I got to see Leon come through. Him and Morrissey uh, were both in the Raider lineup at the same time. So it's kind of a treat for me to go and watch Edmonton and Winnipeg play. But and then, as you mentioned, you watch Connor here, and uh, and, and you're seeing some of the defense and Nurse and some of the guys come around. And you know, Hyman's obviously been a great addition. Uh, yeah, it's exciting times for the Oilers, and it's one of those things. It's uh, you know, like you mentioned, a championship team. It's just learning how to win and build it with good people, good character people. So not only are they good hockey players, uh, you know, speaking of guys like Drysdale and the others, they're also good community and, uh, people and good character. And I think when you put that combination together, it makes it a lot easier to not just win but to be sustainable. And it's kind of fun watching the others right now. And, uh, you know, as you are hoping for some good things this year and many years to come because uh, I remember uh, back in the day, watching those Stanley Cups with Gretzky and I mean Kevin Lowe's on my police foundation what an ambassador for the game is just phenomenal and those are the kind of people that maintain their humility but also uh, they're just great community guys uh, especially Kevin that uh, you know they give back and uh, that stuff is really what develops communities so it's kind of exciting times for sure. Dale, I know uh, I knew that Leon Drysettle was good when Corey Clouston told me. Uh, he said, Stoff, what do you weigh right now? And I said, oh, about 240. He goes, yeah, you could get 30 this year playing on the right wing with Leon. So that's, that's, that's when he when he came in at 16 years old, Bob, he had a backhand pass that you want to hold. You know, he was he was a man uh, passing at 16 years old, and you've seen that over and over, and we get to watch that here every day uh, they play at home. and. Uh, uh, he just keeps getting better. So, yeah. Awesome stuff. Dale, we appreciate the time. Maybe we get a chance to do this once a year. Thanks for joining us here in Oilers Now, okay? Thanks, Bob, and uh, appreciate what you do there for our community. It's uh, not lost on us. So keep up the good work. Thanks, man. All right, you bet. That is Dale McPhee, the police chief of Edmonton. We haven't had him on. It's uh, it's an interesting story. He played on a great junior team. Uh, 1985 Memorial Cup champion Prince Albert Raiders. And when you talk to people of... My vintage, they will tell you that was one of the best junior teams in history. And they were tough, but they could also play. We'll take a quick timeout. You're listening to Oilers now. There you heard it. Uh, Dale McPhee served on the board of the Prince Albert Raiders when Leon Drysaddle played there. Corey Clouston coached that team. Uh, later, Mark Habscheid and Josh Morrissey and Leon were the two big stars. This is Oilers Now, Bob Stopper. And today, Cody Jansen with you. And we are going to go to the Oilers Now injury report at 1257 in Edmonton. It is uh, presented daily by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. They are the heavy hitters of injury law. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Calm. Uh, they're the best. It's that simple. And here is Cody Jansen. Well, you already talked about Mike Smith. Took a couple of shots today. Didn't stick around for the full team practice. In Philly for tomorrow, Kevin Hayes. He's on the IR with an abdomen injury. And Sam Moran's out with a knee injury. Ryan Ellis also listed as day-to-day. Going to be a game-time decision there. And big news out of Arizona. They'll be without Carter Hutton for two to four weeks. He's got a lower body injury. Okay, I, I know you're the goalie. Uh, you played a little bit of hockey. You were a goalie. That's big news that Carter runs out. Oh, okay, well, it's it's the biggest injury news of the day, Bob. Uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, the, the reality is they're in a world of hurt. Like, I'm not convinced that the Arizona Coyotes are going to win 20 games this year. 
What did you think of Vamelka and Nick? Because he moves good for a young Czech guy. Well, he's got to work on his angles. How about the shorthanded goal that Hyman scored on Thursday night? I mean, he is a goofy goalie, though, and those guys he, struggle to start. He gave up half the net on that goal. <laughs> All right, Mark Spector is coming up. Sportsnet spec for the horses and horse racing Alberta. Uh, live racing at Century Mile. We'll tell you that at uh, 5.15 on Fridays and Saturdays. And you can watch and wager online at hbibet.com. Uh, off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell and uh, Speck when we return on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.